What up, family? Welcome to Passing Period and All the Above Podcast Extra. My name is Manuel Rustin, your favorite teacher's favorite teacher, and I'm here with Jeff, who's uh, Mr. Uh, super Dope Principal Leader Man. And um, those of y'all that listen to our show, those of y'all who listen to All of the Above, know that we drop full episodes every two weeks because our show is actually primarily a video show, and it takes takes a while to edit all that video and put that up on the YouTubes. So in between those full episodes, which come with headlines and guests and all that stuff, um, we like to drop these passing periods, which are primarily just me and Jeff reflecting on some of the news and headlines and, and topics that perhaps didn't make it into our most recent full episode. So Jeff, man, it's... um. It's been a week since our last episode, which was super dope. We had uh, Eamon Raw, Principal Raw, on, and I got a lot of feedback from folks that I know who listened to the show, and they love what he had to say about revolutionizing school culture and all of that. And, you know, he was super dope. A lot of black excellence there. Next week's episode is, again, a lot of black excellence. We have some uh, super dope guests who are going to talk about the relationship between schools and black families. So Jeff, it only makes sense that we start this passing period with a brief check-in on Black History Month and how how awesome and how perfect it's going. So what's the latest in the uh, Black History Month shenanigans in the school system, Jeff? You know, man, well, I would answer that, but I'm sorry, I was a little distracted here. I was just updating my resume um, with my new, my new title, which is um, super dope leader principal educator man yeah uh, if, if, if i captured that's it as correctly. concise as i can get it man. Uh, <laughs> so you know that <laughs> i'm sorry i missed what you were saying um no you know of, of course manuel of course we we can't have black history month without having those who oppose <laughs> blackness the existence of it right uh, the people who really feel troubled to their core with the the mere uh, phrase that, that Black lives matter. Not that they matter more than others or, uh, you know, even matter lots and lots, but just on some basic elemental level, level yes. do matter, do have some version of significance. Uh, you know, just a minimal level, just enough to not murder us in the street without reason, you know, that sort of thing. Um, but, you know, in this world where, where uh, we have tens of millions of people who, uh, unfortunately, uh, whose consciousness is, is in that space, of course, we have some ignorant mess going on. And, you know, I guess there's also a lot of beautiful things happening this month. So, you know, happy Black History Month, everybody. I know it's uh, most of the way through now, but, um, you know, I just I just want to say um, happy Black History Month. Now we're going to talk about some ignorant people doing ignorant stuff to Black people and about Black people in Black History Month. <laughs> Yes, indeed. Uh, yeah, so um, so I, you know, I think this first story we're going to dig into. Uh, lots of people may have heard about this one um, because it it now you know there's a certain beauty in poetry to also why people know about this story, uh, which is a student made a TikTok video. Okay, so <laughs> props to the youth, man. I love man, <laughs> they're I love breaking it. up Trump rallies, they're blowing up racist teachers. Like, you know, I'm not really on TikTok, but I'll watch a good one when it gets <laughs> when it gets sent my way. Um, but uh, you know, this uh this student um whose display name on TikTok um 
uh, is El Negro Sabroso, uh, or with two O's, Sabrosu, I don't know. But uh, first of all, um, you know, props for the creativity there. His, uh, his name apparently is Hector, who recorded his AP history class at Island Coast High School in Cape Coral, Florida, which is near um, Fort Myers on the, on the Gulf Coast. His history teacher was just saying some ignorant, ignorant nonsense about the N-word, about, about how not evil uh, slave traders were to slaves on slave ships. Okay, um, and the kid just recorded it, and it's it's the it's so it's like if Hollywood made a movie about a teacher who was like having a power struggle with kids and then layering on racist stuff, it couldn't be better. I mean, better in the in the artistic sense of better, uh, not in the moral sense. Than this freaking video, Manuel. It's it's just. Uh, it's just wild, and and the the best part about it is the tweet where uh, where we saw this. Whoever tweeted it literally just asked, "How is this guy a teacher?" And I'm like, "Yeah, excellent question. <laughs> like that. How is this dude a teacher?" So, uh, Manuel, um, please talk about this fool for me before I raise my my blood pressure here. <laughs> I think that ship has sailed, man. Um, <laughs> yeah, man, it's 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 enraging, and the thing about it that I appreciate is the video itself is only 61 seconds long. And for anybody who hasn't seen it, I mean, just Google, uh, at this point, you could just Google Island Coast High School in Florida and, you know, it'll come up because all the stories are, all the stories are about this. But essentially in just a brief 61 seconds, you see a student in class, um, looks like a, a black student. I think he's a black Latinx student's young man named Hector, who is questioning his teacher, who is, in the video explaining or trying to explain what the n-word is and, and how uh, slave owners treated their enslaved folks and and in just this brief 61 seconds you see the teacher trying to explain away the n-word because he says something about he says the n-word just means ignorant like nothing else there's no other meaning to the n-word besides just ignorant or uneducated and he so he tries to explain away the n-word and all the brutality and all the history behind it and then he shields himself when he receives some pushback from the student when the when the student is basically saying basically like not agreeing with him and not going along with it um he he shields himself behind the guise of AP. And he says, look, we're here to have honest conversations. And that's why you're an AP. And he threatens the student with being kicked out, which is just uh, ridiculous. So in that brief 61 seconds, you see problems with racist teachers, um, overtly in this case, you see problems with racist curriculum, because whatever they were studying, whatever it was built around, it didn't sound like it was a humanizing, holistic view of um, enslavement in America. You see the problem of AP and AP courses being used to sort of like shield or or uplift certain populations. And then, you know, if you can't get with it, then maybe you don't need to be in, I, in AP in the first place. So, you know, that speaks to the long history of AP courses being um, or lacking the diversity of the rest of the school system for sure. And you see the problem of, of teachers reaching for that discipline, reaching for the I'll kick you out, reaching for the threats to deal with mm -hmm. students who are justifiably questioning and, and pushing back against what is uh, just ignorant nonsense coming from the teacher. So it, it's all you know wrapped up in a nice little little bow of 61 seconds on TikTok, which is 
again, it's it's one of those things that reminds us that even though it's Black History Month, even though you know we're supposed to be a, a quote unquote post racial society after Obama got elected, there's mm. still so much ignorant nonsense out there. And here is a teacher who's fully flexing his power to you know mislead students and miseducate students and threaten them threaten them with being kicked out if they don't go along with it. And this student is sitting in a class, so it's in-person learning going on here. I don't know if it's hybrid learning or what. The student is wearing a mask in the video. It's Florida, man. There yeah. No oh, yeah, yeah, I know. Florida, it's it's Florida, so there's that. <laughs> and it, to me, it's yeah. just an, another reminder that when folks say, like, oh, kids are suffering at home, they need to be back in the schoolhouse, it's like, well, some kids perhaps, but other kids, the suffering and the trauma comes from the schoolhouse. And many have said it, that school for a lot of folks is like, the, the the ground zero of, of a lot of trauma that a lot of young people experience. So so let's let's you know this student Hector, I don't know that he necessarily is being better served in person than he would be in a distance learning space. But yeah, man, it's just it's enraging and it makes me proud to see that students are able to and willingly and actively capture teachers um preach a nonsense and, and put it out yeah. there for the world to see. And I am a teacher, so I know like any given moment, I could be the next viral clip, except I won't be in a case like this because I don't preach this type of ignorant nonsense. So I'm glad just like with, like we've seen over the last several, several years with policing and, and folks have always known that there's been this uh, police brutality and police murders of, of unarmed citizens. We've always known that, but the the having more and more video of it for some folks um, helps push the needle. So I, why not the same with teachers, man? This this teacher evidently got suspended, at least at the time of this recording, suspended with pay, similar to policing. And um, man, students, yep. man, just keep keep capturing us educators, us teachers, when we are slipping, man. Let the world know because you deserve better. That's all I can say. Like you deserve way better than than this word uh I, yes beautifully said um when you when you sent this uh article to me the other day or this tweet to me the other day uh and i you know i read through and, and read the article uh i think i wrote back to you something like man they try to edward snowden this kid man like that like he yeah. <laughs> he makes a TikTok video of your teacher being just deeply racist unethical and just on a purely like instructional level, being a horrible teacher. You're you're giving kids factually incorrect information about slaves. Like it's in the background, so it's a little bit hard to hear at the start of the video. But I'm pretty sure. Correct me if you think I'm wrong, Noel. That what you hear in the background is what sounds like a a, a young girl answering some question about like what happened on slave ships and she's saying they would whip them and call them the n-word yep and he's saying no they wouldn't do that yep and the kids are like what are you talking about yeah and bro? hector was like, like how do you we... know were you there <laughs> yeah right so like first of all he's lying to the kids about what happened on slave ships and the horror of that okay so he's caught on film doing that then he starts attacking this kid personally in front of the whole class, which is bad practice and like borderline unethical practice, right? And then threatens to kick the kid out, which is like a perfect manifestation of how black youth are marginalized in schools, you know, and overly policed in schools and all of that. Um, 
And you could tell he's just mad because they called his dumb ass out on like on like lying in front yep. of the class and behaving in an inappropriate way. Right. Um, and then you stack that up with the fact this is an AP history class. So, I, you know, I'm making some assumptions here. Maybe this is not true in this particular school, but in far too many schools across the country, what happens is the folks who get to teach the quote unquote good kids in AP are the most senior. Right. The, uh, the most veteran within the school, within the district, teachers who get to kind of cherry pick what they perceive as the best assignments. So this is a dude who's probably been around for a minute, right? Who's probably got an elevated platform of some sort within the department who's teaching AP, right? To supposedly the, you know, the, the most talented kids or whatever, yep. who's literally lying to them at the front of the class and propagating a racist narrative, Um and and what happens to him? He gets put on administrative reassignment, paid pending an investigation. I'm not sure we need to investigate. His racism is caught on camera. Okay, then they want to threaten yep. <laughs> to uh, discipline the kid for making the video public, which is a violation of the school's code of conduct. Now, I'm sorry if your public employee is is abusing their power as a public employee and that is reported i you know i don't know what the rules are in florida but in many other contexts in in, in this world that's actually uh considered a good thing in fact <laughs> if certain people do that it's called whistleblowing and there's laws that protect people <laughs> yep. for doing that because what's happening is in abuse of trust and abuse of you know public government power right so this, I mean, this story is just like, irking me. like, listen to this quote. This is word for word what the teacher said when asked about the N-word. He said, the teacher in this video says, quote, yes, the N-word just means ignorant. It doesn't have any other meaning in any other vocabulary other than you are a stupid person. You are ignorant. You are not well read. You are not well educated. That's what it means, period. Now, Jeff... Correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think that's true for literally any word in our vocabulary. You could think of just about any word yeah. and there are multiple interpretations, multiple meaning, because that's how language works. Like yeah. oven is yeah. literally an oven, but it also means it's hot in here. It feels like, like yeah. for him no, to I'll just you, be that I'll tell you firm. what word means what he's describing. There is exactly one word that means what he's describing. It's the word ignorant, okay? The N-word means a whole lot of things. Man. And actually, ignorant isn't one of them, dude. <laughs> like, there's there's zero point in history, okay, when any type of white person said that word to a black person. And what they meant was, bro, you really need to read more. Like, you got to step your exactly. knowledge up. Okay, you're kind of ignorant on this subject. That is not at all in any way or in any context the meaning of the word that he is talking about it's there. just so bad <laughs> yes. it's just so bad yes. and yeah i mean yeah last time we had a passing period we talked about those parents in that utah utah school who are opting out of black history month this week's black history month update is this teacher misleading not even misleading but just being an out, outright racist towards students about slavery and just uh make it stop people make it stop but jeff man yes. i don't want to spend the whole passing period talking about um, this racist nonsense because it's just, I just, I don't want to, man. So we're going to dip into our mailbag today for the first time. I think this is the first time we've done this on the show. 
dip into our, our mailbag and see what we have. And um, looking at our DMs on Twitter. By the way, folks, if you listen to our show, feel free to, uh, you know, let us know online uh, what you think and what further thoughts you have about any of these stories that we cover. So this is shout out to Ms. Riley on Twitter. She sent us a message about the conversation that we recently had regarding learning loss. And Jeff, I want to read a bit of this message and um, explore this a little bit more because the school reopening debate and the impact of the pandemic on student learning, um, you know, those conversations and those, those arguments are still ongoing. And I think she lends us a very, very interesting perspective here. So she writes, longtime listener, first time commenter. Yeah, shout out to you. Um, I love the conversation about learning loss and the deficit framing. I've got to say, though, I think you may be underestimating whiteness when you said that the quote unquote learning loss is all about poor black and brown kids. I'm a white mom and my kids go to a quote, very good public school. And many of the white middle and upper middle class parents are freaking out about their own kids, quote unquote, falling behind. And it has everything to do with their fears that their kids are going to miss out or somehow not be able to compete when it comes to college. So she goes on to talk about the, the inherent racism within that idea of their own students falling behind and having to compete against other students to get into college. And she writes that she's really worried that the that weaponization of learning loss, which we've discussed before, would happen in a more insidious way at, at predominantly affluent white schools where all that SEL stuff, all that anti-racism stuff is just totally going to be tossed aside because their kids got to get into the best colleges and they're going to double or triple down on the math and uh, English and all of that stuff. So Jeff, I think when we, when you and I have discussed learning loss, we've mostly brought it up with regards to this deficit notion that like black and brown kids at home are not learning anything and their homes are so lacking in all these different ways and we got to put them back in school because they're they're losing so much learning. So she's pointing out that there's certainly the the more white privileged side of it that is looking at this learning loss as like a really real thing for their kids. Like how are they going to get into Berkeley and, and Stanford and all these places if they're at home not fully whatever, engaging with school in the traditional sense. So I don't know, what are your, what are your thoughts about that? Yeah, I, you know, I really appreciate Siobhan's words and, uh, and just want to echo your, your shout out to, um, to Siobhan, to Miss Riley. I know, uh, she's, she's a, an OG listener. Uh, OG, to, uh, that's M-I-Z Riley on Twitter at Ms. Riley. Indeed, indeed. Yeah. So, um, so appreciate you, Siobhan. And, um, yeah, I, you know, I really appreciate her spin on this because I think both of us have spent our careers working in schools that like, you know, all the labels, right? Um, urban schools, inner Title city, Jeff, schools, inner city, inner city schools, right? That's that's been our career, and so I think we we often start our analysis of issues from that perspective, looking sort of outward at the rest of the system, right? And that's where we have our, you know, really our expertise. So um, so I appreciate her uh, bravery and vulnerability in speaking up about, um, you know, about her experience as a parent and what she's seeing from other folks in that, you know, in that circle and the, um, you know, the kind of ins insidious manifestation of, of whiteness behind the weaponization of learning loss in that sense, right? Like she talks about the sort of, you know, folks, 
folks, they're, they're going to come back and like triple the workload in schools so that kids can quote unquote catch up, right? Um, which, which could further exacerbate gaps that we, you know, that we have between the sort of haves and the have nots um, and could sacrifice the anti-racist work, the social emotional learning work that white kids need too. Yeah. <laughs> right. And, uh, and that, you know, in a, in a strange way, this, this uh, weaponization of learning loss, this hyper push to reopen schools, even though a lot of parents of color are not actually saying they want to send their kids back now because they're worried about safety, Correct. Uh, you know, in the pandemic, even though it, it is their homes, communities, et cetera, that are being most harmed by the pandemic, right? Um, it, you know, I think it's just an important perspective to consider here, right? And um, and it does, it did make me think a lot about like some of the motivations behind policy, which I've been, um, which I have been seeing through the lens of just sort of like a, a capitalism, right? Like folks want the workers to, you know, the parents to be able to work and be productive at maximum capacity. In order to do that, schools need to supervise the kids all day. So if schools aren't doing that the way we usually do it, then the pressure is gonna come. And I, I think that's true, but I hadn't necessarily thought about this perspective that, that Siobhan's bringing up about like white, there being some political pressure from white families to reopen schools in the same way because they're they're in the rat race, right? Of like, Jimmy's gonna be a failure if he doesn't get into Stanford. So we gotta, you know, we gotta like get the, the train back on the tracks here, right? Um, so it, it was interesting, it, you know, kind of pushed my thinking a bit and um, gave me a little, you know, a little more perspective uh, on perhaps what some of the, some of the rationale is for what to me seems like an irrational rush to reopen schools before ex educators are vaccinated, before, yeah. you know, community spread is out of the purple tier, you know, <laughs> and, yeah. and hopefully out of the red tier also, but now the red tier is like a good day. Man, uh, don't even <laughs> start. Know? Yeah, so, um, so that's interesting, man. It, it uh, you know, I think, I think there's something to what uh, Siobhan is saying oh, yeah. here. Yeah, I appreciated her um, use of the word underestimating because I, I think probably I have been underestimating the power of whiteness in this this uh, push to frame learning loss as like a really serious thing, like not just it's not just this deficit idea of like kids at home who don't have anything. It's actually like no, my kid needs to go to the most elite school, and they need to be in in their in their school right now to 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 do all they can to um, achieve and get ready for the SAT and all these things and get into the most elite school. So absolutely, and I think that just further adds to why we're seeing such a, a racial disparity in who is gathering and having rallies to reopen schools and who's not. So I know, so I teach in the city of Pasadena and there was a rally in front of city hall a few days ago to reopen Pasadena Unified Schools. Many of the signs said reopen PUSD. From the video and photos I saw, about 100%, I'm sure it wasn't 100%, but it's damn near it's close to that. Um, about 100% of the folks that I saw in the videos and uh, photos of that rally did not look to be people of color. And my district, Pasadena Unified, is primarily uh, students of color. It's something like, I think, 70% 
black and Latinx students, something like that. So to see such a racial disparity in who's showing up to, to demand that the schools reopen and who actually attends the schools is, is just, um, I think Siobhan's comment helps explain why we see such a big diversity. And there's a lot of other factors as well, of course, but you know, we're in Los Angeles County here, Jeff, and the LA Times recently reported on the racial disparity in the mortality rates. And if you look at the numbers in Los Angeles County, the mortality rate of folks who are dying from, from COVID-19, the Latinx community in Los Angeles has a mortality rate of 284, and the white community has a mortality rate of 98 per 100,000. So that's like almost triple the difference. And then when you look at it in terms of poverty, the most um, the areas with the highest levels of poverty, the mortality rate is 340 versus the most affluent areas where it's 98. So seeing that disparity and knowing that for Los Angeles Unified, for, for my district, Pasadena Unified, the, uh, the lion's share of students that we serve are lower income black and brown students, and their families are the ones who are facing the highest mortality rates by far. Again, this, this reopening debate is absolutely about race and class. And if we're not having honest conversations about that fact, then we're just not having honest conversations about schools or reopening at all. I don't know. It's just, it's crazy, Jeff. It is. It is, man. And I think we have, we have entered a space now in, in my mind where, uh, where there's, there's a kind of a strange synergy between the rhetoric of the of the nice liberal democratic type folks and the utter insanity of of the previous administration let's say okay so you know 6 months ago when Donald Trump was was walking around without a mask and talking about you know the the cure can't be worse than the disease we got to open the schools. That's it's going to nice go away in that's April nice when it gets warm. You know, okay. When <laughs> that's my that's my Trump impression. <laughs> uh, you know, when that buffoon was talking that mess, and everyone was like, "What a clown! He's terrible, and he's threatening the lives of everyone, and all this and that," which was completely justified criticism. Right. Okay. We understood that that was a bad idea. Okay. Now, fast forward to today, and they are trying to force open, they being the governor, the state legislature, uh, and many, you know, um, white folks, frankly, and white centered community organizations trying to force open schools in districts that overwhelmingly serve students of color, where parents of color are not protesting to say, hey, this has got to open and, and are not responding to surveys saying, yes, I definitely am, you know, the vast majority are not saying they're definitely sending their kids back if the school reopens. These are the communities that are last in line right now to receive vaccines in a state where now apparently in March, they're going to really start vaccinating educators uh, in California. But like, honestly, I'll believe it when I see I'm going to sound like, wait, you think that's right? actually going to happen? <laughs> I will believe it when I see Every it. day, the story is different. Every day, it's a right. different priority plan, priority list. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Here so in like, California. So, so it sounded crazy when Trump was like, the, you know, the cure can't be worse than the disease. But tell me the difference between yep. what he said six, eight months ago, and what Gavin Newsom is effectively saying right now. Of course, Gavin Newsom sounds like a nice, intelligent person when he says it, because he's not just like a profoundly stupid man, okay? 
But at the end of the day, he is saying the same thing. Yes. <laughs> like it's it is the same thing. We gotta open the schools because we teachers don't need to be vaccinated. We don't have to wait for them to be vaccinated to reopen. Right. Oh, it's okay. We can safely open the schools in the purple tier. In purple. All the That's the worst tier, right, are, Jeff? Right. Yeah. I'm like, you made a purple tier for a reason. Okay. Because to to not say it was bad, but say it was really, really bad. Yes. <laughs> okay. So how we get from, you know, the sort of like righteous indignation about the conservative voicing of this policy to the like blind acceptance of the liberal version of it to me is, is crazy, man. I like, I am, it, it is surprising to me that this has gotten this much traction um, and that there are, there are a surprising number of kind of uh, community groups and civil rights organizations out there who are, who are supporting the push yeah. to reopen before I think we can argue that it's uh, safe from a public health standpoint and before educators would be vaccinated and to reinstate summative state testing this year, not reinstate because the law has it happening, but to commit to continuing with it this year. Um, and I'm like, no parents are pushing for that, man. Nobody, man. no educators and no families are like, I mean, I shouldn't say no. Very few right. are out here like, my kid has to take this test this year. And very few are like, I, uh, black and brown parents are like, yes, I, you know, I want to send my kids back to a place where I don't have confidence that the conditions are safe. So, you know, this is, this is a familiar yet strange place to be, I think. Yeah, man. Preach, preach. Big facts, big facts. And our listeners know we love facts here on All of the Above. And Jeff, I Honestly, think that bet we made around reopening, I might be losing that bet um, for folks who aren't familiar. I think we we bet $20 on whether or not schools would reopen by the end of the school year. I said, hell no, ain't happening. I was mostly referring to high school, which I still stand by. But in any case, um, the momentum has shifted in a very major way, very quickly, the momentum to reopen here in California. Um, and of course, when we say reopen, we don't literally mean reopen. Everybody who works in education, we know schools are not closed. The learning is still happening. We are only talking about opening the physical building for kids to come back in and uh, learn in person. So, um, so yeah. All right. So, shout out Ms. Riley for for the message. Everybody else, I mean, hey, our our DMs are open, as they say on Twitter. And, you know, we would love to hear your, your comments and thoughts and feedback about any of our episodes. And if you are somebody who watches us on YouTube, our, our uh, full episodes there, then definitely feel free to, to, to greet us in the comments and let us know what you think about these stories and these conversations that we have here on All of the Above. So, folks, next week we'll be back with a full episode that is going to have headlines in education, as well as some shout outs, as well as a seminar segment with some really dope guests, two dope guests who will be speaking to us about uh, the relationship between black families and the school system. So you definitely don't want to miss that. Definitely give us those five stars if you don't mind. Um, rate us, review us, all that good stuff. We appreciate all of that. We hope y'all stay safe. We hope y'all enjoy your week and we will catch you next time. All right. Get to class.